Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, October the 21st, 2022. It is currently 11.51 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. You see how smooth that intro goes? Isn't that wonderful? Like, I, I, I just, I hit play, the intro plays, once it, once it ends, I turn on the microphone, I welcome everyone, I give you the timestamp, the date, the month, uh, the time, all of that. I give you all of that information. It's so simple, it's so easy. I, I almost, it's, it's just like, it's built into my brain because I've been saying it so many times. If you want to, compare that, contrast that to the struggles I'm having with today's focus, that Bible Bible study, that podcast series, uh, the Today's Focus podcast series, listen to those intros. I am having so many problems with that. I'm still frustrated by it. I am still frustrated by it. I've been uh, like, what happens when one when one podcast episode goes bad? When one podcast episode goes bad, I I, I know I know this is, is is embarrassing, but hey hey, you know what? I, I I'm willing. I try to be as transparent and open as honest with my failures and my weaknesses and my struggles as I can be. I I try to be because I I, I have. I've always wanted it to be understood that I'm just a sinner with a microphone. That's all I am. I'm just a sinner with a microphone. And and that's not said in some like, oh, he's trying to be humble. No, it's not even about being humble. I just, that is just a fact. I, 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 that's just the reality. I'm a sinner with a microphone. So I guess I have all of these hangups and issues that, and I mean, you can either, you can either try to clothe yourself in some robe of self-righteousness and try to come across as perfect and spiritual, but uh, no, I think it's better just being honest. I, I've, I've got some hangups. I got, I, I have some issues. And one of my issues is this, this, maybe it's ego driven, but this desire to be perfect. I want to be perfect. So whenever I do a podcast episode that goes just horribly wrong, right? Like if you listen to this morning's Today's Focus episode, it, it, everything, whether, I don't know how you feel about it, but everything went wrong in my mind. So literally in the middle of the episode, I was like, as soon as this is over, I'm going to delete it and I'll just do it over, right? Nobody will even notice. Nobody will even pay attention. And then, and then I'll have a better product there on the internet. But then why about, do I want a better product? Because to make me look better. But since I didn't do that, right, since I didn't do that, then I go downstairs and then I start having kind of like a, a pity party, right? It's like, you know what, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really want to, I don't want to record today. You know, I, I don't want to do anymore. And man, I don't even know why I'm doing the podcast anyway. And, and, and then I just start thinking like, you know what, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to go and focus on doing what I want to do so I will feel better so I don't have to think about my mistake. You see how ridiculous that is? how foolish that is. And it's just amazing that no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how godly you may think you are, you find yourself constantly, if you're even halfway remotely honest with yourself, thinking things that is so contrary to a correct way of thinking. We think the wrong way. We do the wrong thing. We feel the wrong thing. We pursue the wrong thing. We desire the wrong thing. There is just so much sin still inside of us. It's there, and, and we can pretend all day that it's not there, but it is there. And that reality, 
that reality. Look, my, my thinking there was, 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 if you think about it, it was self-centered. It was all, all of my feelings this morning was self-centered, ego-driven, right? It was narcissistic. It was, it was almost like a perfectionism, but a perfectionism about me. Everything about it was not, hey, I've died to self. Hey, I, I, I've denied self. Hey, I no longer live for self. I live for Christ. I live for God's glory. Everything I just did demonstrated that, no, I still live for myself. I'm not denying myself, and I'm living for my glory, and I'm living for my honor. Everything I was feeling this morning clearly demonstrated that all of those basic elements of Christianity I was in complete violation of. Now, why am I mentioning that? Well, because of this very important reason. If you come along and take a book from the New Testament, say, 1 John, and you're like, hey, look, this is the test book. This is how you know you're saved. You got to follow all of this. Well, anyone looking at 1 John and looking at some of the things I was feeling and thinking this morning would draw the conclusion that I wasn't saved, or I would draw the conclusion that I'm not saved. Or if I took the Sermon on the Mount, which some people basically act like that's a test to prove whether you're saved. Your obedience to the Sermon on the Mount proves whether you're saved or not saved. If I did that, I would come to the conclusion constantly that I'm not saved if I'm even remotely honest with myself. And I know the people who say 1 John or the Sermon on the Mount is a test. They would say, no, 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 we're not not saying perfection. Well, what? look, so you're telling me here's the test and I fell the test 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But as long as I'm trying, as long as, as I'm moving in that direction, it counts. Well, that's not really a test. That, that's, that's not a test. A test says, get the answer right. And we know what God, God's law demands. Because when you look at first John or the Sermon on the Mount, it's law. And what does God's law demand? God's law demands a personal, a perfect, an entire, and exact, and a perpetual obedience. And I fall short of it. Now, the reason I'm mentioning the test and the reason I'm mentioning First John is because yesterday we started, I won't call this a series, but we started looking at First John again. Now, I want to remind you, if you go to the Church One app, Church O-N-E, download that app, Church O-N-E, and you go to our series, Bible Study Exercise, and then you click on the little, now if you download the Church One app, you will have to search for Theology Central and choose us as your chosen broadcaster, then it basically becomes our app, but if you find the series, Bible Study Exercise, go to the little search bar, type in First John, you'll see our series that we did on First John, like 18, 19 messages on First John. It's a part of the Bible study exercise series. You should listen to that because I make an argument that First John has been mishandled, misapplied, and been basically used to abuse Christians to create doubt, fear, and possibly discouragement, and possibly disillusionment, and possibly even leading people to deconstruct their faith, because according to, uh, to the way people handle First John, hey, this book, this proves whether you're saved or not saved. So what proves you're saved is not the finished work of Jesus Christ. What supposedly proves you're saved is what you do and don't do, and how you do it. Well, that to me destroys the entire saved by an imputed righteousness because you're telling me I have to look at the practical righteousness to prove that I'm saved. And how can a practical righteousness prove the existence of an imputed righteousness? Because by definition, the imputed righteousness doesn't make me righteous. It just declares me to be righteous by faith and not by works. 
So I, I believe First John is a polemic against Gnosticism. You could argue it's a polemic against Gnosticism and Docetism. You could argue that it's for both, but clearly it's a polemic against Gnosticism. And if you don't read 1 John in that light, well, you turn it into this basically pietism, right? Hey, how do you know you're saved? Because look, look at the spiritual piety in one's life. Look, they don't do this. They do this. They don't do this. They do this. They don't do this. They don't do this. They do this. They do this. But if you're honest with your life, you know how far short you fall unless you start pretending to be better than you really are. You can dress yourself up. Oh, but deep down, your thoughts and your emotions and your desires and your feelings are so contrary to God and his perfect holiness. So we're going to continue our discussion about First John. Now, what we're doing is we've been reviewing podcast uh, episodes from Theocast. I would challenge you to look up the Theocast podcast, subscribe to it, listen to uh, both episodes they did on 1 John, and supposedly in the show notes, they have a link to a bunch of sermons on 1 John. I have not found those yet. If anyone listens to this and they're in our Discord channel, if you could post the link to all of their sermons on 1 John, because we may start grabbing some of them and doing some, we may just create a series for 1 John is what we may do. We may create a series for 1 John. And, um, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many people constantly, the, the, the handling, the mishandling of 1 John is it's such an epidemic. It's, it's an epidemic. It's a cancer. It's a disease. It spreads so far and wide within the evangelical world that we, we probably could be, we could do teaching on 1 John probably for the next 30 years, and we wouldn't even come close to trying to correct all of the mishandling of it. But I just, someone shared this with me, the Theocast episodes on 1 John. And I'm like, okay, well, we have to at least bring this to everyone's attention because once again, maybe we can challenge people to reconsider how they've been mishandling 1 John. So are you ready? All right. So let me just make it very clear. I want to make sure that I've, I've been as clear as I can be. First of all, we're all sinners, including the one behind this microphone, and we fall short continually. And any test you give someone to test their salvation, if they're even halfway honest, they're going to fail that test if it, unless you so minimize the test that it becomes meaningless. Because when you give a test, you're giving people God's law. And what God demands from his law is perfect, exact, entire, perpetual obedience. You fall short of that. The only hope, the only assurance in your salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ and his imputed righteousness, the imputed passive and active obedience to your account by faith alone, not by works. I cannot stress that enough, all right? And I believe 1 John has been mishandled as some kind of a test book to cause people to question or doubt their salvation when I believe, this is very important, it's a polemic against Gnosticism with elements uh, obviously directed towards docetism. All right, go listen to all of our series, but now we're going to go back to Theocast. I thought this was like a full podcast episode. It's only 12 minutes long, so I'm kind of disappointed in that. I didn't realize that um, until just a minute ago when I looked down and saw that. I'm like, wait, they only did 12 more minutes? Why is it only 12 minutes? I don't know. Uh, I mean, because they, they they made it feel like that they're, that part one they didn't get near as far as they wanted to. So then I guess, is this part two? I don't know what this is, but it's only 12 minutes long. And remember, I don't review the audio in advance. Sometimes that's a, sometimes that turns out to be a bad thing, but I always like to listen to it with you and see what we're going to discover. So thinking caps on, Theo, Theocast, 
They're going to continue to talk about First John. I think what they did is they like completed the episode and then just did some, ex- I don't know. I don't really know how they put it together. Maybe they're going to explain it. Hopefully they don't spend too much time explaining it because they only have 12 minutes. And I want us to get something else out of this dealing with First John. So here we go. So, Justin, that was an interesting conversation. I feel like you and I could have gone for three hours on that. And I well, wish talking we had... about the principles contained there, <laughs> right. for sure. I wish we had the time. Uh, and, you know, two episodes almost doesn't feel like we're going to do it justice. But you know what I despise? I really do. I, I really I, I I don't like when podcasters say we don't have the time. I, I, it's one thing to say we don't have the time in this episode, but you have the time. I mean, radio, you don't have the time, right? Because you have you have those, you have the breaks that come in, you have your commercial breaks, you have the end of the program. But at a podcaster, who makes you turn off the microphone? Unless unless they're creating things for radio, but if they're not creating things for radio, who who makes you stop? Now I I will say sometimes, okay, we don't have the time to go into that in this episode, but doesn't mean we can't come back to it in part two, part three, part four, part five, part six, part seven, part eight, part nine. So, hey, Christian podcasters, there's no one stopping you. And if your part two is only going to go 12 minutes, I mean, clearly, clearly you could have gone longer than 12 minutes in part two. And I think even part one was what, I don't even know if part one, I don't even know if it was a full 30 minutes. So, I mean, you have all the time you want. You have all the time you want on a podcast. I mean, I've done episodes that's gone almost two hours. So, I mean, you you have the time. You have the time. You have the time. You just may not have the time for that one episode, but you have the time spread over whatever. You, you You can do 15 episodes in a day. You can do 20. You can do 30. You can do 40. You can do 50. You can do 60. You can, you can do whatever. The only thing that limits your time is your, I guess, need for sleep and food. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. I think we've got. We may have to make some more general comments on the (laughs) the episode next time before we get into the verses. Because there's there's so much to say and reiterate. Yeah. Well, imagine you're trying to explain to somebody, um, you know, they have never seen an airplane before. They don't even know what an airplane is. And you're like, so it's like a bird, but you can sit inside of it? I, how do how do you I don't it's hollow and it's got an engine but I know you don't even know what an engine is right. and, you know it's like and then it's a jet engine and I know you really don't know what that is exactly and, and so then you know you describe them they're like oh yeah you can fly across the entire ocean and they're like huh ah, you are making this up right? right well in many ways because we're so far removed from John and his context. Yeah. And we haven't taken the time to actually look at the context of what this amazing structure he puts together. Now, I love that illustration. That's so many times in, in with the Bible or doctrine or theology, when you try to describe something to someone, they, I cannot stress this enough. So much of our understanding of scripture and of the way we interpret scripture is really, it doesn't arise from in-depth study of our own. So much of our thinking about Scripture has been placed on us. It's been given to us. It's not like, okay, the reason I believe this is because of my intensive study of this particular text. 
No, it's because you heard teaching, you adopted that teaching. Now that's become such the lens in which you see scripture. When someone tries to explain scripture in a different way, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That is insane. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. And we immediately criticize it. But we never stop to think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Have I, the conclusion that I'm fighting for, is it based off years of extensive study of the text, the history, the language, or is it simply because, well, I heard this sermon or this sermon or this sermon? You, you, you've got to take off, listen, this is so important. Whenever you talk doctrine or theology or scripture, you got to take off your glasses. I'm, I'm literally taking off my glasses right now. You got to take them off and you got to set them down. You got to take off your glasses. And what you have to see is you have to don't hear, you don't see the text through the lens of any sermon or preconceived ideas or doctrinal systems or theological systems. You always go back to the text and look at the text anew, afresh. That's why I constantly say any previous understanding of a text, any previous interpretation of a text is absolutely useless when you read the text the next time. And I know when I say that people are like, that is the most ridiculous, absurd thing I've ever heard. No, it's not. Because the only way to continue to try to filter out and mold and, and purify and make better your interpretation of scripture is to constantly throw out everything you've ever learned when you see it again. Because things you've learned before were taught, one, they were taught to you by fallible men. Two, your conclusions were arrived at by a fallible person. So you have to constantly throw out everything you knew and see the text again, because maybe this time you, you finally see something differently or you understand it differently that calls into question all your previous understandings. But if you simply rely on your previous understanding, you can never, you keep seeing the text the exact same way over and over and over and over. And if you have adopted the, the glasses that First John is a test book to test someone's faith, to challenge Christians to see if they're truly saved, if that's the way you, you'll never be able to see it differently unless you set that aside and then reconsider First John, maybe in light of the text, of its history, of its context, of, of the rest of the New Testament, maybe you'll change your perspective. It's so hard to get people to learn that discipline you say, well, people will do this to me. Well, you taught whatever, just name a scripture. You taught Hebrews this way, but last time you taught it a different way. Wow, imagine that. <laughs> there should be change. There should be differences. That's why I can't stand when pastors use their previous sermon notes. That should be outlawed. Your previous sermon notes should be burned, okay? You should not keep your previous sermon notes, Never rely on old study for new study. Never rely on old interpretations for new interpretation. Never rely on old hermeneutics for new hermeneutics. Never, never, uh, never uh, rely on old conclusions for new conclusions. The text deserves, it is the word of God, it deserves your new and full attention and it deserves you setting aside all preconceived ideas and previous, previously held ideas for new and fresh study. 
oh, I, I can't stress that enough. But but sometimes when you try to explain it to people that they can't see it, they're like, what are you talking about? What? What? That's ridiculous. No, that can't be. It can't be that way. And it can't be that way, not because you studied. It's because you were just relying on what you've been taught or what you've heard. You can't do that. You can't do it. You cannot do that. Uh, then you go in and you're like, well, yeah, no, this is what I think it means. And it's like, you missed the whole thing. True. And I want to comfort people with this. I gave some of the background to the letter, but if you give the letter a thoughtful reading, Mm. this stuff becomes very clear Yeah, because he's, he addresses all of these things. The, the fact that Christ came in the flesh, he pounds that, that drum a lot. He beats the drum of, you know, don't deny that you have sin. And that how you live matters, you know, so that becomes clear. And then it's obvious that there are people who have left the church, who have left the saints and have left the faith and all of that. So that's, it's not like we're just completely going extra biblical in historical sources, you know, well, proto-Gnosticism and all of these things and, and docetism and everything else to try to explain all this. What we're doing is this stuff clearly comes up out of the letter. Yeah. Now let's let's try to give a more full orbed presentation of what he's trying to speak to, given the clear evidence that exists on the pages of the scriptures. So that's what I was trying to do, even in giving the background. And my understanding of those things is by no way unique to me. Yeah. I mean, these are well documented things: the proto Gnosticism and the Gnostic heresy, and also Docetism as a as an early heresy as well. Yeah. And then the fact. I find it funny because he does the same thing. Docetism, 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 docetism. He goes back and forth as well. Does it really, does it matter? I'm going to look something up just because, well, when, that's, that's the reason we do these because we, we, I react to things in real time. Okay, here we go. Docetism. Okay, well, docetism, okay. That's a completely different way of saying it. Cetism. Okay, what? Hang on. Cetism. Okay, well, they're just saying Cetism. I don't know why. I'm going to do a refresh here. That That's not even, what is that? Okay, that's not, uh, let's try that again. All right, here we go. Uh, oh, hang on, let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, here we go. Docetism. 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 Well, he's saying it differently than I. Okay, so we have docetism, 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 docetism. Literally, if we were to, it sounds like D O W D O C S E E T I Z M. Docetism, docetism. Wow, have we all been saying it wrong our, our whole lives? Docetism. Docetism, docetism. What's the correct way? Docetism. Docetism, docetism. Wow. Okay, have we all been saying it wrong uh, forever? I I think even in seminary and Bible college, and they didn't say docetism, docetism, or docetism. That's, I guess, docetism, docetism. They just really emphasize it in that pronunciation. Docetism, docetism. I, 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 that's interesting. Okay. Not that it matters. I just find it funny that he's kind of altered. He's kind of fluctuated back and forth when how he's saying it. I realized I was doing the same thing in part one. And I was, I think I'd already done it in part two. I think I said it two different ways. Um, yeah. 
I guess, I guess, there we go. That's the end of the broadcast. We've learned something, so I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. Okay, no, let's continue. That there has been apostasy, the denial of Christ and the leaving the church going on is obvious from the letter. So don't be unsettled by that. Like, oh, well, I've got to be like a, a first century historian to understand the original authorial intent. It's not what I'm saying. No. We're just trying to fill in some stuff for you, give you some more data so that you can better understand what's already clear in the letter. That's right. Now, that's an important, important point. So many times when I think the lay person sitting in the pew and they hear pastors or, or you know, seminary professors, theolo- well, every Christian should be a theologian, but a, a professional theologian because theology is the study and knowledge of God. All Christians should be a student of God. Okay, but you get the idea. I think sometimes someone's sitting in the pew and they're like, well, I can never understand this. I can never understand. That's all their arguments and it's above my head. And don't ever think that way. A lot of what they, a lot of the discussions about First John has nothing to do with reading, you know, books about historical context. A lot of it is just by making clear, full uh, doing a clear and full observational study of First John. Remember, Bible study is ninety nine percent observation, one percent interpretation. I, I really, 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 really believe that you've got to do observation. You have to observe. You have to observe. Uh, your outline is not interpretation; it's observation. Everything. If you've been, if you followed our study in the Book of Amos and all of the steps I've given for the comprehensive. Uh, you know, a book study method. That is, um, so much of it is observation, 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 observation. So if you will observe First John, not just key on the verses that everyone says, see, that's the test, that's the test, but everything, you start going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute here. Either this book is contradicting itself or there's like kind of two concepts going on. There's Two arrows pointing in two different directions. This seems to be for the Christian, and this seems to be directed at the people who left, who deny that Christ came in the flesh. They're the ones who are completely rejected Christ by faith. Does does, does that, I, 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 I hope that makes sense, but you can see that by just observation. So many Christians, they read and want to interpret instead of read and want to observe. Observation is king. It's all in hermeneutics and in Bible study. In fact, Bible study is primarily just observation. Right. But well, you're exactly right. Yeah. The context does matter a significant deal. Right. Well, and this is why Paul says that the elders should dedicate themselves to the study of the word so that we can rightly divide it, that we can rightly explain it. And this right. is what you and I do. This is what we literally Correct. do for a living. We study Correct. God's word that we might correctly uh, give it to or the, give it to the people of God. Exactly. So, uh, I, I feel that weight that, you know, there's you know, a greater condemnation. You know, like James says, right? Uh, there's not many of you should be teachers. A higher standard. There's a, there's a, you're going to be judged by what you say and not judgment that can bring condemnation, but what the words that we say, thus saith the Lord matter. So, um, you know, Justin, there, there seems to be an either or here. And mm-hmm. I have been saying this on Twitter lately. There's, there's not an either or. Um, it's like you either agree with me or you disagree with me when, whenever people like hurl these accusations and it could be coming from about Lordship salvation, federal vision, Roman Catholicism. I mean, there's so much that's out there. And, and, uh, so it's like, if you don't agree with their interpretation of it, you're an antinomian. I'm like, listen, listen, that's not how it works. Okay. We believe that the Christian life should be about obedience. Sure. 
it should happen. It, it, it's normal for Christians to obey. Okay. That yes. is the normality of the Christian life to struggle yeah. with our sin and to right. desire to obey. We agree with God on that. Correct. And the internal war is real. You know, there's an irreconcilable war between the spirit and the flesh. That's important for us to understand. So right. it's normal that we sin because of the flesh, albeit lamentable. We should grieve it. John we 1, fight against it. But then, yes, it is absolutely going to happen that those who have been united to Christ, who are being sanctified by the spirit of Christ, will obey. That's going to be the case. That's and so when I preach through, when I preach through First John, I've seen... And I just want to make sure... Oh, I, I, I'm so not a fan of that terminology. And, and, and it freaks people out when I say I'm not a fan of that terminology. I'm not a fan of that terminology because of the reality in my life, in your life, that, that we will obey. Just remember, no, whatever obedience, what, when we say we will obey, whatever obedience you point to, it is a corrupted obedience. It is an incomplete obedience. It's whatever obedience you point to. See, 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 Christians will obey. That obedience is a messy obedience. It's like, it's like a little bit of obedience mixed with a whole lot of poison. It's like, you know, how much rat poison do you need to put in a glass before it, well, the whole thing is poison? Right? How much rat poison do I, if I just put one drop of rat poison in a glass of water, you're going to drink the water because you say that 99% of the water is pure? No, it's corrupted. My obedience in its very best is corrupted. It's tainted because whatever obedience shows up in my life, remember what it, it flows from a life that in its very nature has a depraved nature. So I may see, I may do something that appears to be obedience, but in reality, it could be for self-glory, for my own, it's because I'm doing something that I think is advantageous to my own life. I'm not doing it for God or for glory. I'm doing or for God's glory. I'm doing it for self or my own glory. So when we say we will obey, well, clearly you have also said we will sin. So I'm going to obey, but mixed with that obedience is going to be sin. So is that truly obedience? And then we, 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 we're constantly confronted with a question. Someone emailed me and asked me this question. Well, wait a minute. If I'm indwelt by basically God, I mean the Holy Spirit, God, God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and if he's the one supposedly working sanctification, then why aren't we perfect? Why aren't we perfect? You say, well, but well, because you you can you can stumble over your words, but it's a reality we have to deal with. You know, and I know how far we fall short every single day. You know that, but we always teach this idea that we will obey. God will make us holy. But then the point is, is wait a minute. Look at all the the sin in every Christian's life. So is God making us holy? And if it is, why? So if God's the one doing it, then why are we made? I mean, if God's doing a work, wouldn't it be a perfect work? I said, well, well, God, God, God goes through a long process, right? And it starts from the moment of salvation and it concludes in glorification. Great. Why does it take God so long to finish the work of sanctification? They say, well, well, we, we, we can fight against it. Okay. So God can't overcome my will. God can't overcome my, like there's thousands of questions here. And when you ask those questions, everyone goes crazy. Like, oh, you're an antinomian. You are an easy believist. You believe You believe in free. Calm down. 
These are these are questions based off reality. There's these are not questions to 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 have you go through a panic and hyperventilate and lose your mind. It's to make you go, well, wait a minute. These are questions, and I'm going to reach over and pick up a pencil because you know whenever I start thinking, I have to have a pencil in my hand. These are questions that any rational, reasonable, thoughtful, I, I, I'm going to use the word not in the way it's used in culture, but awake Christian, when I say awake, awake to the reality around them, awake to the reality internally inside of them, will be like, man, I've been a Christian for 10 years, 15 years, six years, five years, and I continue to sin. And I continue to sin. And I, I just got into a, 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 an argument with my husband and I said this or, or I felt this or, or I snapped at my kids and, and, I, and I provoked them to wrath and, and I'm not very forgiving and I'm not very loving. And man, I was rude to that person at the drive through window because they didn't give my food the right way. And I was a jerk. And, 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 and you know, I was running a little late to work and I lied to my boss and said it was something about traffic when it was reality. I just woke up like, like all these little things we do, these little things we do. And, and at church, I, I pretend to like these people, but there's some people there I just can't stand. Like, there's a million issues in your life, and you know it. But then we'll turn around and go, the Holy Spirit, he's inside of us. He's given us power. We will obey. Okay. So you're going to point to what? Incomplete obedience as obedience? You're going to point to corrupted obedience as obedience? Now, I do believe we should desire I do believe we should pursue. I do believe we should struggle. I do believe we should fight. But I know it's going to be failure after failure after failure. So where is my hope? Where can I rest? In the perfection of Christ. In his finished work. Let's continue do a lot of this today we can maybe do a little bit of this you know in the in the episode for next yeah. week uh we certainly can i mean in no way are we saying that obedience to god's commands love for the brethren all those kinds of things are insignificant of course we need to be doing these things and we need to talk this way but we do not need to threaten the saints in order to produce that that's not how john's operating John is not threatened, like you said. He's not aiming the arrow at the saints. He's aiming the arrow at other people. And then, in reality, what we do, third use of the law, we look to the law as our guide for how we're to then live and conduct ourselves in the church. But we do that not out of fear, right? That's 1 John 4. That's Romans 8, other places. We're not being given a spirit of fear, but we have the spirit of adoption. And perfect love, the love of God for us, drives out fear. We look at the law and we can actually look to it as good because it doesn't condemn us anymore. And we don't have to be afraid of it. Hmm. And that's a huge thing. Yeah. People, the third use of the law, I fear, John, is very misunderstood. Yep. Because the third use of the law in the minds of many people has to have an edge and a threatening tone to it if we're going to be doing it the right way, to which I would I'd say I don't I couldn't disagree more. No. The first use of the law yes. does have an edge to it because it's crushing everybody. And the wrath of God is coming against such things. But the third use of the law is not threatening to mm -hmm. those who are in Christ because in Christ we died to the law. That penalty has been dealt with, man. And so now we're not under the law to be condemned by it any longer. We're under grace. We're guided, though, That's right. by the law. Yeah. And it, we just have a hard time with that. 
Clearly. Well, like I, the other day, my wife wasn't feeling well. I walked into my two oldest and I said, hey, guys, mom really needs your help. This is what I need you to do. I need you to clean the kitchen, right. put the laundry away. Okay. Yeah. That was, I gave them commands. Yeah. But. Well, Imperatives. Right. What did I motivate them with? Hey, this is a great way to love your mom. That's mm-hmm. their use of the law. This is a yeah. great way to love your God. Right. Right. Not out of fear. This is, not out right. of condemnation. Right. God, he. Great way to love your father. Your father's been so good to you. Consider yeah. all that Christ has done for you. And now go and love other people. And do it too. this way. And do it this way. Yeah. You know, like, mm, so good. If I may, <laughs> yeah. circling back to what you started the, the SR episode with, where you talked about how we're so far removed from John's context, I want to double down a little bit on something we alluded to in the regular episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so clear that the lenses of pietism are on everybody's face yeah. when they read this book because the you, you they are <laughs> like to put the, put the pietism glasses on and then read the book yeah. because that's how you arrive at this whole litmus test idea because it, you're assuming that nominalism is the problem. Mm-hmm. You're assuming that the idea is to smoke out the fakers. You're mm-hmm. assuming that Christian life, the Christian life is about proving yourself mm-hmm. legitimate there's all kinds of baseline assumptions and it ultimately, yeah, of course, Christ, but then what are you doing? You know, like you're assuming that as well. And without those lenses on, I think an honest, you know, as in as much as possible, an honest objective reading of the letter, given how we tried to illustrate the boat that John's holding everybody up and he's floating everybody in this boat. And then he's giving them some things. I really don't think it's difficult to see. And our congregation, John, as we, I think I had 14 sermons through the letter or something. I mean, it was wonderful because we all, it was one of my favorite books I've ever preached. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most beloved sermon series in the history of our church, it and Genesis probably. And uh, it's like, everybody was like, this is so clear. Yeah. Like, this is great. Yeah. He, I mean, to go back. Well, congratulations for him, because my experience has been, what are you talking about? That can't be right. It's wrong. You're wrong. That my my experience hasn't been like, oh, wow, it's so clear. This is so awesome. Maybe, maybe he's, a, I, I need to listen to his sermons on First John to figure out everything I did wrong, okay? Because even in my podcast episodes, I, it's not well received. It's not like you're you're immediately condemned as a liberal heretic who, an antinomian or whatever other words are are, are leveled at you. So I'm, I'm congratulations for him that his entire church was able to go. You know what, First John, we've all mishandled it, and we've all been looking at it through the lens of pietism. It's wrong. That's that's amazing. I, I wish. I mean, typically you would think that would lead to a full blown church split. To the boat illustration. John is saying those in Christ are safe and you're in Christ by faith. Those outside of Christ who have rejected these truths, they're not safe. They're overboard swimming in the ocean. They're going to drown. They're on their own. That's absolutely right. They're on their own. But you're in the boat. (laughs) And how are you in the boat? In Christ. That's how you're in there. By faith. Not because we love God, but because he first loved us. That's right. So Justin. uh, Because you confess that Christ came in the flesh and you trust him. Yeah. So, you know, this goes back to some stuff we've done recently. um, And I just want to mention it now that when, when, when you don't view scripture this way, which we would argue, this isn't new. Okay. You're quoting Calvin. Let's go to the confessions. 
This is right. how the confessions describe assurance and good exactly. works and the fruit of good works. But then you listen to things like uh, future justification, you know? Yeah. Well, this is what they're saying. They're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in by faith. You're in the boat. Mm-hmm. But to stay in the boat and don't right. get tossed out of the boat, there right. are some things you must do. Right. And man, I'm telling you, did you forget Hebrews? He is the founder and finisher. He does not let go of none. We do not maintain. We do not increase. We do not preserve our salvation, our justification by our sanctification. That is not how it works. Same thing with federal vision. This is the same issue. They will say, no, no, no. Yeah, you get in the boat by faith alone, man. Eh, Sola fide. Absolutely. You're in the boat. But if you don't obey and hold to the covenant, and you don't keep faithful to the covenant, you won't make it in the boat home. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> just like, you know what's keeping you in the boat? This is the greatest thing about First John. You know what's keeping you in the boat? Jesus. Yeah, and he's dude. super powerful, like the most yeah. powerful being. I'm not staying in the boat by being faithful to the covenant. I am not doing good works so I can get to the final justification because I have mm-hmm. my initial justification. Church, this is so Amen. important that we fight this. It is junk theology, and it needs to go in the trash. All right, I'm done. Rant over. <laughs> I don't really have anything to add to that at the moment. I, I've got a lot more to say about First John, but I, I think we'll save We're that. We're next week. Yeah. Yeah, and we may reiterate a little bit of this that we've talked about here for everybody, mm-hmm. and then— we're going to get into some of the passages that and verses in particular that people often struggle to understand correctly. Yeah. And it, like, like you said, and we acknowledge, we're going to explain those verses in light of the whole. Mm. So I hope if this one for, for those of you who are partnering with us and who are the SR members and yes. love us and support us. Thank you. I hope that the, this first episode was very encouraging to you. And then having that context and that understanding of the letter as a whole yeah. I hope the next one is helpful to you too. You know, I, I am tempted. I'll just say this now, and your guys' financial support will allow us to do this. I'm tempted to take these two episodes, transcripts, and turn them into a handout for you guys. So sure. you could say, here, and, scan this QR code if you want to listen to the episode. Here are the notes if you want to read it. And keep supporting us as well. And then what we can do is take like my sermons through First John, yep. John's sermons through James, and turn, turn them into, them into like expositional commentaries. Yeah. We could just take those and transcribe the sermon audio, edit it, turn it into a volume. Yep. Could be useful. Anyway. Yeah, if anybody has experience doing that, let us know. We could use the help. Love you guys. We'll see you uh, in the app and the Lord willing. We'll see you on the podcast, but more my preference would be I'd see you in the new heavens and the new earth. Amen. May God be with you. All right. That, that is Theocast. Again, I would uh, tell you to subscribe to the podcast. They mention SR. They mention SR. And um, SR, I guess it's a... Now, look, I, I understand it. Hmm. But I, but I, I have to at least mention this. The SR is you. You join. I guess you join this club, right? Uh, Semper Semper Reforma, Reformanda, and uh, continue. I think that means like continuing to reform. I'm, I'm probably saying the second part wrong. Uh, but uh, you join the Reformation, and here's how how it works: If you give them five to fourteen dollars a month, you become an advocate. And you get, I guess, the SR podcast and the SR groups, local and online. If you give them $15 to $49 a month, you become a builder. You get the SR podcast, the SR groups. You get to download all ebooks. You get to download all study guides. You get a 15% store discount. And you get two different Theocast stickers. 
for $50 plus a month, you get, you become a reformer and you get the SR podcast, the SR groups online, download all eBooks, download all study guides, 15% store discount, two different uh, Theocast copy of all paperbacks and the Theocast coffee mug. So sometimes when they refer to content, I don't know if some of that content is only for the people who pay that money to get the content. And you know my feelings in regards to that. I, I, I don't understand that at all. I don't. If the podcast should be a part, basically it'd be a part of the church ministry, right? And then the church should help support it. And then you can ask for donations. I got, look, they got a big donate tab. I'm all for, we have a donate tab. Church One app, Sermons 2.0 app. If you look up uh, uh, Theology Central, you'll see it. If you if you go to the, theologycentral.net, you'll see our donate, donate tab. I got no problem people asking for donations because why? It costs to podcast. It does. It costs. It costs money. I just have a hard time placing any content behind a paywall. Or like, you know, hey, you get this podcast, but if you want more. Now, I don't know when it says the SR podcast, I don't know if that means that that's placed behind the paywall. And then ultimately it, it goes to to the the free podcasting apps. I, I, I don't know. I haven't got it all worked out. But the fact that there's these groups and... And I've watched this happen before in other Christian podcasts where, hey, you get the first 30 minutes free, but if you want the rest of this discussion, you have to become a reformer. You have to become something by giving us $30 a month, and then you get the rest. I can't ever imagine recording all the hours and hours of content I make. I can't imagine saying, hey, if you want that, you're going to have to pay me money to get it. Like, I I, 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 I will never understand that. So, but that just... If you're interested and you want the rest of that content, I mean, $50 a month, you get all, I'll get a, I guess you get a copy of all of the paperbacks. I don't know how many paperbacks that is, um, but $50 a month. I mean, wh- whatever you want to do, I'm not going to tell you not to. I'm just going to tell you that I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time. And I just wanted to explain sometimes some of the things that they were saying there. I think they're referencing their, those groups, but I don't know, maybe the podcasts are free even without giving the money. I know some of them are free, obviously, because we just listened to two of them, right? Um, so I, I don't know exactly how that works, but you can look it up. Look up the OCAST. They have an app. I haven't looked at the app, but I, by all means, listen and 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 learn as much as you can. And if you want to give them money, it would be interesting to know. I wonder how, well, it's interesting to know how Christians think about that. You go to a Christian website, and they have content, but it's behind a paywall. Whether it's a Patreon page, you have to pay five, ten dollars a month, or they have extra podcast episodes you have to pay for. It, it sounds like most Christians don't care, and obviously, so many podcasts do it that clearly it's financially advantageous to the podcasters to do it. I mean, I can't imagine if we had, if we had, you know, 10, 15 people giving us fifty dollars a month. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't even know what to do. I wouldn't even know. I mean, we we could we could do who knows what we could do for that much. Now we do have some people who do support us about fifty dollars a month. We do have some, but I mean, I can't imagine if if we had a whole uh, like enough people to do that to support like a whole like. Hey, all of this content can be. We have all of this content waiting for people who are paying that money. So I don't know. I just I have to mention that because it's just uh, I don't know. They've mentioned that they mentioned that in part one, the whatever they refer to their club as it's, it's it just means continuing to reformed or always reforming. 
Um, that, but they, they mentioned that a number of times. If you're, if you're like a part of this or you're a member of this. So by all means, sign up for a month and can't get all the content that you want and enjoy it. Um, if you want to pay for it. I just, I, I just have, I'm just sometimes perplexed by the way the Christian world works. I just, I just see freely I've been given, right? Freely I have received, so freely I should give. Freely I've received the grace of God, the mercy of God, the salvation, so I should give. Uh, oh, okay. That's, okay, someone just explained this to me. Okay, thank you, because I was a little perplexed, and this is the reason I'm mentioning it. Uh, so they, they talk about how much they like their they like their content, but stop listening as much because they start the discussion, then they go to the paid group to continue it. I don't like not hearing the whole discussion. Yeah, that's I just don't understand that. I'm I, I look, you you may are I look, I will not even pretend they're better communicators than I am. They have better content than I have. Fine. I completely agree with that and understand that. But if you are a better communicator and you have better content, well, then wouldn't you want more people to get the better content and the better communication than those of us who are not as gifted as you are? Why Why? why should the people get the those of us who are left less gifted? We, you get hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of me when the people who are better place it behind a paywall. Shouldn't the people who are so gifted be giving the people the best content of the best ministry that they can get? Why should ministry ever be put behind a paywall? Then the people are left with all of us people who are not as as, as gifted. That's that's not that's not fair to the think 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 of it. It's not fair to the people to to have to pay for the 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 quality content, and they're left picking up the scraps of the less gifted content. It, that just seems so not right. It's, it, it seems so not right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I appreciate them talking about First John. I absolutely love it. Uh, I love, obviously, the direction they're going. I can't wait to hear more of their discussion. And, and, and let me make it very clear because someone will get mad at me. No, if you want to pay them money, pay them money. By all means, it's your money. Pay them. That's fine. I just... I just have a hard time whenever I cut, when I stumble upon, and I just kept hearing like, what is this club? What is this club? So I just looked up the website and realized, oh, here's the, here's the groups. Here's the groups all the way up to $50 plus a month. And I know many Christian podcasters have Patreon uh, pages where you pay to get extra content. I've, I've even heard some of them say, if you, if you want to be able to ask me a question, like if you want to email me a question, then you have to join the group. Like you can't just email me a question until you're paying me five or ten dollars a month. Then you can ask me a question. What? What? Like, like you're like the Pope sitting behind the walls of the Vatican? I mean, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. But I do know that it costs money. So, like, I, I don't want you to say. I don't want you to think that I'm saying podcasters shouldn't ask for money. It. I mean, it's hours of work. It's hours of work. You, you got the equipment and then you've got your time, right? You know, if I'm off doing another job in the medical world, 
I'm going to be making a whole lot more money than I am sitting here, right? I, I could be at the hospital not far from my house. I could be, I, I, I considering the different things I was in charge with in my military career, I could be in charge of departments, okay? I could be making some serious bank, okay? Um, I, instead of sitting here, like, you know, <laughs> doing this. But I would prefer to do this because I hope that somehow I can minister to people. And I think that's far a greater, greater pursuit. But yeah, you 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 give up your time, and uh, it your energy and your focus, and it costs money. But uh, so I understand and appreciate that. Um, but man, how about just give people the freedom to give if they want? How about just pe- give people the freedom if they want to give, they will, and if they don't, they don't. And then you have to decide what's more important. You have to make that decision. Minister to people. And give them everything I have left. Give them every ounce of blood that I have. Or place part of my blood, per se, behind a wall that people have to pay to get to. Therefore, you limit who's going to get it because not everyone's going to pay. I don't know. It's just a weird, it's a weird world of ministry. I I don't want this to turn into, I don't want this to turn into that. I apologize, but. I just, I was trying, like, what's this SR, 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 SR? They keep referring to SR. What is the SR? I don't understand. Well, then you look it up and, well, it's the club. So, all right. We, we're going to continue to do some work on First John. We're going to continue to do. I will, I am going to look for their sermons on First John. He's supposedly in their show notes. I got to find their show notes. If anyone finds the link to their sermons on First John, please post it in the Discord channel. And then I'll pick certain ones and we'll do a couple of reviews on some of their sermons. Obviously, any content they put behind a paywall, I will not use or review or do anything with that because that's behind their paywall. Obviously, I won't touch that. That would be wrong in every way, shape, or form. So their free content, then for fair use, we can use it for critique and analysis um, in in that sense. And I'm trying to get you to go subscribe to their podcast. Uh, But I'm assuming their sermons, um, I guess it's a part of their church, um, which again, if they have a church, why wouldn't the church be supporting the podcast? That's always the weird thing, right? Like if you have a church, why would the church support the podcast as, as part of its ministry? And, it's, and some of these podcasters, they go to these gigantic churches. Like the church could support the podcast 10 times over, 100 times over, 1,000 times over. So I, that's always weird to me. I, I, sometimes I don't, under, I don't understand that. It's like these pastors who have a radio ministry. And like, well, the church, you have, your church has like 10,000 people, but then they have the radio ministry and then they ask the listeners to support the radio ministry. Why isn't the church supporting the radio ministry? And in some cases you find out that the pastor is getting a salary from the church and from the radio ministry. It's almost like two different entities. And then if you look up tax information, it's separate. So here's like a million dollars come into their radio ministry and then their church may bring in another two million, and the two are separate. And it's like, what? I don't. That's a weird thing to me as well. I mean, primarily, the only reason I'm able to do podcasting the way I am is the church. My church is at least able, as small as it is. I don't get a salary, but they're able to make my house payment. If they didn't make my house payment, I would have to have a full time job. So I wouldn't be doing podcasting. Because I can never go back to being a bivocational pastor, working, family, and doing podcasting. I tried that, and it ended up almost killing me and destroying my life. So um, 
yeah. So it's just a, it's an interesting, I don't know. It's an interesting world. It's an interesting world. But, but I, then I have to think about like, like it's easy for me to sit here and I know this is like going in a completely different direction, but we just kind of, I just kind of stumbled upon that by accident. I have thought whenever I stop being a pastor and that comes to an end, will I be able to afford being able to podcast? Like then I would really need people to give. I mean, I, I, we still, it's very important that people give now because it, it helps because the church is small and, you know, paying for all the, I mean, you know, we, we, we have to maintain what we can, but I would be like, would I be able to do that? Would I be, I don't know. I don't know. Cause I would need, I would need probably a basically, yeah, I would need basically, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much. Yeah, I, it would, it would, it would, I would have to bring in a certain amount of money per month. So yeah, and I think other podcasters are in the same boat. Like, hey, I mean, like, I, I can't do this unless basically I'm being supported by it. So I, I, I can understand that. Like, how do you work that? Then you have to. I guess you could go the route of monetizing your podcast, and I just can't think. I can't stand the idea of monetizing a Christian podcast. I don't know all the questions in regards to money and ministry. It's, 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 I, I hate it. It's, it just feels dirty. It just feels dirty. I just wish money wasn't a part of ministry. Don't you wish the two were separate? Oh man, I wish the two were separate. Wish all ministry was just, you know, it didn't require a dollar, didn't require a dime. Wouldn't that be great? But it doesn't work that way. All right. You can, you can give me your thoughts, but Theocast, please subscribe to it. Please listen to what they do put out. And if you would like, please uh, pay and be a part of their club and gain as much as you can from them because they're obviously very gifted, great communicators. So if you can gain more from them, then by all means, don't, don't miss out. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. That's what I would say. Take advantage of it. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, that I was really hoping they were going to say more about First John. That kind of, in a sense, repeated a lot of what we've already talked about, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, if we can find the sermons, that's where the gold may be. And uh, we'll see if we can uh, review a couple of them. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.